You know, tomorrow's Memorial Day, and I want to call your attention for a moment to, uh, uh, as we remember uh, those who have sacrificed for our freedoms. And here's a video, if I can call your attention to the screen for a moment. Sergeant First Class Louis Gutierrez, platoon sergeant. Specialist Zachary Clauser, driver. First platoon, Alpha Company, 126 Infantry Blue Spaders. KIA, Adamia, Iraq, July 18th, 2007. They were my friends. They were my warrior brothers. Most importantly, they were my family. Bristol May, Headquarters Company, 2nd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment. Killed on his 14th combat deployment just outside Kandahar, Afghanistan. Chris was my JTAC, my FO, my neighbor, and one of my best buddies. Staff Sergeant Juan Campos, 1st Battalion, 26th Infantry, Adami, Iraq. He was my mentor. Sergeant Matthew Tiabate, killed in action December 2nd, 2010, in the Sangin Valley of Helmand Province. Fellow scout sniper, brother, friend, Justin Gallegos, 3rd Squadron, 61st Cavalry Regiment, 4th ID, killed in action, Cop Keating, Afghanistan. Justin was my first team leader, he's my brother, and he's family. Sergeant Bill Care, 1st Battalion, 5th Marines, Helmand Province, Afghanistan, August 13, 2009. He was a mentor and brought humanity to a deployment where we needed it most. Ricardo Barraza, Dale Brem, 75th Ranger Regiment, 2nd Ranger Battalion, Killed in action in Ramadi, Iraq. They're my mentors and my team leader and squad leader. Sergeant Patrick Hawkins, 3rd Ranger Battalion, KIA, 5 October 2013 in Kandahar, Afghanistan. To be honest, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky to have spent the time that I had with him. Staff Sergeant Jeffrey Loa, August 16th, 2006, Alpha Company, 135 Armor, 2nd Battalion, 1st Armored Division, Ramadi, Iraq, friend. Sergeant First Class Michael Goebel, 7th Special Forces Group, Operation Enduring Freedom, will incredibly be missed for the rest of my life. Ryan Sparks, 1st Squadron, 91st Cavalry Regiment, 173rd Airborne Brigade Combat Team. Um, he died in Pali Alam, Afghanistan, RCE. Kyle Wayne Burns, Charlie Company, 1st LAR, Fallujah, Iraq, friend. Lance Corporal Sean P. Hefner, 2nd A Battalion, Delta Company, Helmand Province, Afghanistan. He was my brother. Kyle Milliken, 5 May 2017, Naval Special Warfare Development Group, Somalia, Africa, former team leader. Dave McDowell, Charlie Company, 2nd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment. Killed on his 7th combat deployment just outside Bastion, Afghanistan. Dave was my best Ranger buddy and just best friend for over 10 years. Sergeant Major Christopher Adam Nelms. He was my friend, he was my mentor. And he's the finest Green Beret I've ever known. Senior Airman Brad Smith, United States Air Force, killed in action January 3rd, 2010, never forgotten. This is Glenn Doherty. He died on September 12th, 2012 in Benghazi, Libya. He worked for the CIA and he was my friend. 
I uh, can't help but wonder if some of you have a name of someone who sacrificed for our, our liberty and our freedom. And if you do have a name, I'd want to encourage you to, to share that name with us now. Trevor Winnet. John Erickson. John Mock. John Magera. Well, Lord, we thank you for being able to live in a place of liberty and freedom. Lord, we thank you for these ones who have sacrificed everything that we might retain this liberty and other countries as well that they might share in liberty. And so, Lord, we do pray this evening as we remember them that we also remember their families, those who have survived. We ask, Lord, that you might comfort, that you might minister to them, especially as they remember and as this weekend is one of remembrance and celebration. Because they have died, we get to celebrate. And we won't forget. And of course, Lord, we thank you that you gave an ult- the ultimate sacrifice for us, that we might be reconciled to you, that you might rescue us from sin and death and give to us eternal life in your kingdom. And so, God, we thank you for that wonderful gift of life that you've given to us through your Son. And now, Lord, as we enter into this time in your word, we ask that you might bless us and teach us that we might have understanding, Lord, that we might be changed and transformed as we consider your amazing, living, and active word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, uh, we're going to do, if you haven't ever been here before for uh, simply the story Bible study, uh, we're going to do it a little bit different uh, than a normal Bible study. Rather than me just preaching at you, um, uh, we're going to learn together. And so I'll be asking questions. It'll be interactive. And a part of this is to really learn God's Word, to, to put it into our heart, and to continue learning it as you leave here tonight. And so this is how we do all of our Bible instruction in the oral Bible schools throughout Africa and uh, in various places around the world. And so uh, as I've been teaching through Luke, uh, I kind of planned that this, this section I would slow down for and see what we can glean, what truths we can learn from God's Word. And uh, so we're going to go through it slow tonight and uh, explore it together. So with that said, let me give you a little bit of information prior to this uh, event. Jesus has began his ministry and he's been teaching in different synagogues. And as he's been teaching in different, can you guys clear out that? I don't know if there's a black screen, but sorry, I got confused there by, your, by what you're putting up. <laughs> so, um, and uh, Jesus has been teaching in different synagogues. He has been healing people. And uh, it's at the very beginning of his ministry, 
And so there's another name for the Sea of Galilee, and that's called the Lake of Gennesaret. And just in the previous chapter, we left off with Jesus doing ministry around Capernaum. In fact, he actually was invited to the house of Simon Peter, and he healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law from sickness. So with that said, let's get into the Word of God tonight. On one occasion, while the crowd pressed in on Jesus to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and seeing two boats by the lake, but their fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting in to one of the boats that was Simon's, Jesus asked Put out a little bit from land. And Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished teaching, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Lord, or sorry, Master, We have toiled all night and caught nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done that, they enclosed such a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help. They came. And they filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon saw this, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Lord, depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. For Simon and all who were with him were astonished at the great catch of fish that they had taken. As also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's partners. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they came to the land, they left everything and followed Jesus. And that's our story from God's Word. Did you like that story? Good story, guys. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, I wonder if any of you would be willing to help out and tell back what you can remember of the story. I'll get you started with on one occasion, the crowd pressed in on Jesus to hear the word of God. I'll get you started, but I wonder if anybody could just tell back whatever they can remember of the story. Do we have any volunteers that think they could, could tell back what they can remember? What do you think? Everybody's scared. All right. So the story starts out with, on one occasion, 
the crowd pressed in on Jesus to hear the word of God. Uh, Jesus asks Simon Peter, he gets in the boat, asks Simon Peter to go out for land a little bit, and Jesus sits down and starts teaching the crowd from there, and then he tells, you want me to say the whole thing? Yeah, say everything you remember. Um, Jesus then tells Simon Peter to drop his net into the deep for a catch, and um, when he does that, there's so many fish in the net that it starts to sink, he can't bring it up, and um, Peter falls to his knees and says, I'm not worthy. Jesus basically says, yes, you are, stand up, I'm going to make you fishers of men, and um, they go back to shore and leave everything behind, follow Jesus. Thank you very much. Right. Appreciate that. Yeah. I, you actually remember some really good details in there. You remembered uh, that Jesus sat down and was teaching, and that they uh, put the net down in the deep. And uh, really well done. Well done. So thank you for that. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell it again, but this time I'm going to lead you through it, and you'll help me as I tell it so we can really learn it well, so we can actually discuss the story. So our story starts out with, on one occasion, what was the crowd doing? They were pressing in on Jesus. And why were they pressing in? To hear the word of God. Yeah. And anybody remember what Jesus was standing by? The, the lake of Gennesaret. Good, good memory. That's a tough one, right? Weird name. The lake of Gennesaret. And Jesus seeing how many? Two boats. But their fishermen, what were the fishermen doing? Yeah, the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting in to one of the boats that was, whose boat was it? Simon's. Getting into one of the boats that was Simon's. Jesus said, put out a little bit from land. And then what did Jesus do? Anybody remember? Yeah, Jesus sat down and taught the people. When Jesus had finished teaching, he told Simon, anybody remember? Put out into the, the deep and then do what? Yeah, let down your nets for a catch. And, G- and Peter answered and said, Master, we have, anybody remember? We have toiled all night and we caught already 10 fish. Wow. Oh, that's right. He said we caught nothing. Yeah. We caught nothing. We've toiled all night and caught nothing. But, anybody remember? But at your... At your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed such a large number of fish that what was beginning to happen? Yeah, their nets were breaking. And anybody remember what what they did next? Yeah, they signaled to their partners in the other boat for help. And they came and filled the boat so that they began to sink. sink. That's right. When 
Peter, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' anybody remember? He fell down at Jesus' knees and he said, He said, Depart from me. I am a you got it. I am a sinner, O Lord. Anybody remember what happened next? It said, said, for when Simon and those who were with him saw, remember what? Yeah, sorry. For Simon and those who were with him were astonished at the great number of fish that they had taken. And, And then it said, as also were, there were two other guys that are mentioned. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. There we go. And then Jesus said something to Peter. Anybody remember what Jesus said to Simon? He said, I heard it here. Do not, do not be afraid. And then back there. Yeah, from now on, you will be catching men. And when they came, when they brought the boats to the land, what did they do? They left everything and followed Jesus. Yeah, perfect. Great job. That, so that, you just were learning the whole story. That's, that's really wonderful. You guys have all those details. Well, I wonder, what might it have been like to be there in that crowd that day? What that, might that have been like? Would, would you have been like, oh, it's too crowded. I got to get out of here. Or, or would you have wanted to stay? What, what might it have been like to be in the crowd that day? Just close your eyes for a minute. Just imagine there by the lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee, the crowd of people, Jesus Now you can go ahead and open your eyes. What might that have been like for you? What's that? Claustrophobic. Okay. Okay. Claustrophobic. Amazing. A little bit hard to tell what's going on. Okay. Surprise. Why surprising? Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's good. Curious. Curious. Yeah. Well, I wonder if we can get into the story a little bit deeper and see some some truths there. In in the beginning of our story, it says, uh, on one occasion, when the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God. Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and seeing two boats. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats that was Simon's. Jesus asked to put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught them from the boat. I'm just going to stop there for a moment and just ask a few questions about the crowd, 
They're, they're the ones pressing in on Jesus. What, what, what does the story tell us that they were pressing in on Jesus for? Knowledge of what? The word of God. Yeah, it, it says that they were pressing in on him to hear the word of God. So I wonder, what was Jesus known for? What'd you say? Being a rabbi and a teacher. What's that? Miracles. Hmm. They were pressing in on him to hear the word of God. Could they have done something different? They could have what? Walked away. Yeah, they could have walked away. Could they have done anything else different? The crowd? Gone about their business? They could have argued? They could have blasphemed. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Anything else they could have done? Could they have asked Jesus for something? To heal? Yeah. They could have asked Jesus to heal. But, but they didn't do any of those things, did they? It says they, they pressed in on him to hear the word of God. What can we learn about the crowd from the very first part of this story? They were thirsty. What do you mean by thirsty? Thirsty to hear the word. They were, yeah, they wanted it, right? Anything else? They were eager. Yeah, everybody wanted to get in there. I want to hear. Yeah, they, 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 weren't, they weren't treating it like, uh, too many people. Claustrophobic, <laughs> right? <laughs> what else can we learn about the crowd? Or Jesus, even, from the very first part of the story. Yeah. Yeah, he said it seems like they were the dedicated ones that they were they weren't looking necessarily for miracles. They knew what he said was true. Right? Did I, did I catch all that? Okay. I want to repeat that so everybody can hear. That's why. Yeah. Well, I wonder, is there anything we can learn about Jesus from his response to the crowd from the first part of the story? Yeah, he could have jumped on a boat and said, I'm out of here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah. Well, it, it, it shows us that God gives his answer on how to handle things sometimes in a very practical way. And that Jesus is being crowded. And uh, if I was there, I'd be freaking out. What do I do? What do I do? But he notices the boats and then he uses what's right there to do the teaching. So he's not crushed by the crowd. But he's able to teach teach them from the boat. And I, just like I mentioned, uh, one time when we were in Israel, I, a guy did a demonstration where he stood at the bottom of this hill on the lake there. And it's, it's like a... Uh, amphitheater. Amphitheater. And they did a test, and I was one of the idiots that went to the top of the hill. And he just spoke in a normal... 
from one at the bottom of the hill by the water, and you could hear it perfectly. Yeah. And I was a long way away from it. Yeah. And, and so I, I really liked what you were saying that, that he kind of solved this in a very practical way. Because I, I never thought about this before, but Jesus could have just like walked out on the water and been like, hey guys, right? But he didn't do that. He just very practically, it, the, the, it, the story tells us that seeing two boats, that their fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got in, getting into one of the boats that was Simon's, he asked to put out a little bit from shore and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Could Jesus have made a different choice rather than teaching the people from the boat? Now we only ask that question because we really want to understand the choices that Jesus made and the character of Jesus. What other choices could Jesus have made there? He could have walked on water. Yeah, he could have walked on water for sure. That would have been awesome. He could have told the crowd to push him, like go away a little bit just so he had more room to see. Yeah. He could have pushed the crowd back. Yeah. But he, sorry. Yeah, he could have left, right? I don't have time, guys. Sorry. I'm busy. He sat down, so he wanted to relate to them rather than spend his time just giving Yeah, he sat down. He was not in a hurry. He's, I, that's an amazing observation with the fact that Jesus, I mean, this isn't the synagogue. This isn't the Sabbath. He, he, this is some day that some one occasion Jesus sat down and started teaching. I, I, that's a great observation. What can we learn about the character of Jesus that, that he did this? What do you all think? Humility. What's that? Humility. Humility. Why do you say humility? Um, the fact that he, he moved. You know, sometimes people in leadership will command others, the people who are following to move, and the fact that he sat down. That's an awesome observation. Uh, sometimes people in leadership command everybody else to move versus he sat down. He, he moved and sat down and taught. Yeah, that's a really wonderful illustration or uh, observation. Yeah. Well, in our, in our story, when he had finished teaching, it says that he told Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Peter answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed such a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat for help. They came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. I'm going to stop there for a moment and just talk about this part of the story because it's interesting. Jesus had been teaching and when he'd finished teaching, he gave this instruction to Peter. 
By the way, did anybody pick up on where Jesus is right now in the story? Where is Jesus? What's that? He's, yeah, he's in the boat, right? Uh, so he tells Peter, put out into the deep, Simon. Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. So where's Simon at this point? He's in the boat. Yeah. Because what were they doing? They, they were washing nets and then Simon got into the boat and put out a little bit for the land so Jesus could teach. So what has Simon kind of been doing this whole time, do you think? He's been listening. He's been sitting listening. Well, no, 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 we'll get to that. But I'm, I'm talking up to this command. What was Simon doing? He was sitting there listening, right? And now, like you were saying, Mary, when Jesus told him, put out of the deep and let down your nets, you were saying that I think, I think he's doubting from what he said. Uh, why do you say that? Mary? Well, because they're fishermen, and they have fished, what, every day for their whole lives. And if they go out and they don't catch the fish, a half hour later, the fish will probably still on it. Yeah. So he, and at that point, not knowing really what Jesus could do or understanding what he, what who he was, they made all these fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. He, he wasn't... With, do, do you think from Peter's, Simon's response that he was expecting to catch a bunch of fish? No, that's what I was <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't expecting because he, he, he said, uh, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. That, that's a good observation. Jesus isn't a fisherman. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because he's God. But, but yeah, Jesus wasn't a fisherman. And he's telling these fishermen who have toiled all night. What can we learn about Peter from his response to Jesus? He obeyed even when he doubted. Yeah, I think we all can kind of identify with that, can't we? Where we're kind of like, "Ah, I'll do it, but I don't want to do it. (laughs) We're going to do it with a resentful attitude, right? And uh, so, I mean, because Peter could have said, oh, forget this. We're going home. We worked all night. I'm tired. It's time to go to bed. But he, he didn't do that. He... He, he obeyed. He went, he went out. Anything else we can learn about Peter? I think it was out of respect. It was, he respected Jesus. Why do you say he respected Jesus? Because he said, at your word. At your word, yeah. I mean, that speaks volumes to me. I don't know, you know how anybody else feels about that. But just to hear Barely knows is Jesus, and he doesn't know if he knows fish or not, like as Mary said. 
certain level of respect because he's at your work. Yeah, actually, you were saying he barely knows Jesus. Um, anybody remember what I said in the uh, just introduction about Peter's prior interaction with Jesus? Anybody remember that? What happened just before this story? You do? Yeah, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. So, so he's had a little bit of interaction with Jesus. So he clearly knows Jesus isn't just a normal person. So he de- definitely he has some respect for Jesus. I mean, he lets Jesus just get in his boat. Yeah. Jesus and th- where's the other boat? <laughs> they're, they're, they're parked, right? They're there on the shore. You can imagine them going, better, better you than me. Because <laughs> I don't see them say, hey, we'll come too. <laughs> they're, they're like, all right. <laughs> so Peter, it says, and when they did this, they enclosed such a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. And they signaled for help from their partners in the other boat. They came. And they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Peter, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at, the knee, at Jesus' knees and he said, depart from me for I am a sinner, a sinful man. And I, and, uh, oh Lord, depart from me for I am a sinful man, oh Lord. For Simon and all who were with him were astonished 
at the great or the catch of fish that they had taken. As also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Is there anything more we can learn about Simon from his response to the fish? That's right. What were you saying? He said in response to the fish, I said his um, character was showing gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah, why do you say gratitude? With him um, acknowledging that he did not deserve to be in the presence of who he realized Jesus to be, one, and then him kneeling. Yeah, he recognized that he didn't deserve to be in the presence of Jesus. That's, yeah. What were you going to say back there? Okay, but do you think his response changed once he started, when he brought in that huge number of fish? Yeah. It humbled him. It humbled him, yeah. Because we got people pretty knowledgeable in the Bible here, is there another time in Scripture that might remind you of this where it said, depart from me, I am a sinner? Would you? No. Okay. All right. Anybody remember another time maybe in the Old Testament, maybe? Not exactly the same, but I just, it made me think of when John the Baptist referred to Jesus saying, I'm not worthy to tie your sandals. Okay. John the Baptist said, I'm not worthy to tie his sandals. Yeah. Remember an Old Testament person? I don't know. I might be reaching in too deep. I was, yeah. That was a good try. (laughs) That was a good try, but maybe a little different attitude on that one. Abraham? Abraham? Yeah. What about Isaiah? You ever remember Isaiah? When he he saw the Lord and he called and he said, he said, Woe is me. Anybody remember? Oi. That's literally what he said. Oi, vey. Okay, he told her to depart from, from him and sin no more, yeah. Yeah, but I, Isaiah said, uh, <laughs> woe is me, I'm a man of, anybody remember what Isaiah said? Unclean lips and of an unclean, well, people, close, yeah. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips and an unclean people. And, and he responded to God, right? He's in the presence of God. And now we see Peter in the presence of Jesus. And he's saying, depart from me. I am a sinful man. And, and he calls him something. Anybody remember what he called him? Oh, Lord. How did Jesus refer to, or how did Simon refer to Jesus beforehand? Master. Now he says, oh Lord. Peter change it all? Now, before we go on talking about Peter, I just want to call your attention back to Jesus. Did Jesus change his attitude toward Peter at all in this story? 
No? No? Is there anything we can learn about Jesus from his attitude and actions toward Peter or Simon this whole time? Yeah. Patient and generous. Patient and generous. Yeah. What's that? Compassionate. Compassionate with him. Yeah. Unfailing. Unfailing. Yeah. Uh, anything we can learn about Jesus from his his interaction with Peter? Maybe he was trying to show Peter's path in life and what he was bound to do, which was be a disciple of God. Yeah, certainly he was calling Peter, yeah, for sure. Anything else we can learn about Jesus? He pursues. Yeah, the door he, yeah he pursues. We don't, we don't want to run past that whole idea that, that here he is, Peter's going... Because we know Jesus knows the heart, right? And, and he doesn't just go, all right, Peter, you know what? If you don't want to believe, fine. I'm out of here. <laughs> right? We don't see that. We see Jesus tell Peter, go do this. And Peter goes and does it. And now we see Peter repentant. We see him depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Oh, Lord. So we read that they were all astonished by the great catch. But before we run out of time, I want to ask about Jesus' last, or the two last things here in the story. It says that Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Anything more we can learn about Jesus from this statement? What do you say? He knew exactly what Simon needed to hear, how he would learn best, and he approached him where he was so that he could take in what Jesus was trying to teach him. He, he knew what Simon needed to learn, and he, what was, what was the next part? Oh, and he came to Simon in a way that Simon could understand and receive these truths that Jesus was going to teach. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Whenever people are uh, confronted with the Lord in the Old Testament, invariably they have tremendous fear. And Daniel, you know, I mean, you're confronting confronted with God. And so here the same thing happens. Peter has seen it. This man has said something, has done something which nobody could do unless they control nature. And so he knows he's God. Then that fear comes upon him. This is my creator in front of me. And so just like in the Old Testament, they always have to say, even the angels in the New Testament, when they come and talk to people, they have to say, okay, don't be afraid. You know? Yeah. Okay, you're not going to die. <laughs> yeah. You got to wonder if Peter thought, I'm done. I, I mean, I know I would feel that way. We've all been in that place where we're like, oh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. And uh, yeah, maybe Peter really felt that way. And he said, do not be afraid. He actually brought peace to the situation versus greater fear. I love that about Jesus. I mean, he could have brought fear, right? 
He could have, it could have been one of those uh, Gandalf moments from Lord of the Rings where Gandalf starts speaking. I'm sorry, I'm a nerd, guys. Uh, speaking really loud. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but he says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. So he didn't just meet Peter there to teach him some truth. What else did Jesus do with Peter? Well, he taught him a lesson, but what else did he do? His faith grew. He, he helped Peter have some faith. He bolstered up his faith. Yeah. He commissioned him. Yeah. Were you going to say that? Yeah, he gave him a purpose. He said, okay, this is now your purpose, right? Was, is your purpose keep catching more fish? You're catching men, buddy. We're doing something different now. He, he, he commissioned Peter. Jesus was looking to the future of saving people. Yeah. That was the ultimate goal. Yeah. He didn't just... Yeah. Go ahead. I was thinking how the Lord makes sure that Peter knows that he would provide for him. That, that is taken care of. Don't worry about this part of life. Your purpose now is this other one. I love that part of it. I don't know why. It's just, I got you, man. Don't worry so much about this part. Now your purpose is to, you know, share the gospel. I, I love that part too because oftentimes we spend a lot of effort worrying about the other stuff, <laughs> don't we? Catching the fish <laughs> versus doing the purpose. But I, you know, one of the things I see in this story is how Jesus meets Peter where he's at, like you were sharing, that he, he just meets him where he's at, but he doesn't leave him in a fishing boat, does he? He brings him with him. The, the last part of our story, it says, the very last part of the story says, and when they brought the boats to the land, they left everything and followed Jesus. Anything else we can learn about Peter and James and John and Andrew and whoever else might have been in the boat? Anything else we can learn about them? Yeah, this huge hall. I mean, it's, it's some wealth there. But they just left it all and followed him. Yeah, anybody else? confident in the call, wasn't he? On, on that commission. Very confident in it. And he responded in faith. Yeah. I think it's important to remember the Jewish context that it's from too, is that these kids grew up in this school being basically trained for the possibility that a rabbi might take them under their wing and walk through life with them. That was like a very small percentage of these kids that learned the Torah. So these kids that are working on the boat now, 19, 20 years old or whatever, are rejects from the Jewish society. And so Jesus calling them as a rabbi was 
everything. That's what they grew up hoping that they could study under a rabbi. And Jesus, Jesus is saying, not because you graduated school, not because of this, because of the fact, only because that you're a fisherman, you're going to be able to do exactly the work that I want to have you do, because you're so good at fishing, now you're going to be fishing for men. It's just really cool that these rejects are giving a second chance at following God. I like that, the rejects. <laughs> are getting a chance at following God and second chance here. Yeah, um, I would paraphrase everything he said, but he said a lot. Uh, but basically the whole idea of being raised to, with the idea that you could be called by a rabbi to go forth and follow that rabbi. And, uh, but these individuals didn't finish. They weren't called because of schooling or because of working with a rabbi. Jesus just called them. That's pretty much the gist of it. Okay, yeah. And how awesome that is that Jesus called him. Yeah, that, that, you said a lot, sorry. <laughs> so, no, I, I'm glad you shared. I, I, but I know that they can't hear as well as I can hear. So I want to repeat that. Yeah, well, um, I wonder, in our story, we kind of, we saw that um, Peter responded in obedience, but with a reluctant heart. Do, do people still do that today with God? Yeah. What, what does that look like? Hesitation. Hesitation. Yeah. Fear. Fear. Yeah. Absolutely. Difficulty trusting him. Huh? D- difficulty in trusting him. Yeah. Giving up comfort. Yeah, we definitely struggle with that, don't we? Have you or someone you know ever decided to be obedient, but in your heart you were resistant? What did that look like? Anybody care? You guys are not here. Anybody care to share? Do you care to share? No, okay. <laughs> well, let me ask you this question. How might this story help us in the future when we find ourselves in a place where we're really reluctant? We're willing to be obedient, but we're reluctant. Could this story help you in the future? How so? Yeah. What's that? Can you say that a little bit louder? You can think of the results of Peter's story at the end of it all. Him becoming a disciple, what it resulted in. So think about where he started and how it ended for Peter. Yeah, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Just that God has grace for us. And he, as long as he sees obedience, that's the first step. And he he makes the rest... he, he meets us where we're at, and he, as long as we take that first step, even if it's hesitant, we're still being obedient, mm. and he's willing to work with that, which is just awesome. Like, we don't deserve that. You yeah, know? he's pretty gracious with us, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I think it speaks to God's timing, because Peter didn't do anything 
from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and I I hope that this story might help you in the future when you come to a place where you don't want to do something, but you need to be obedient. Maybe that'll change your heart toward that moment, um, and you can be a little more responsive. Uh, This story, I believe, is foundational for a lot of the interactions that we're going to see in the future of Luke, because we are going to see people who go away from Jesus actually sad because they can't leave everything and follow him. And so uh, we'll see that in the future in the Gospel of Luke. Thanks for participating in the story. I really appreciate it. Again, it's Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now, you probably know at this point in time, 80 to 85% accurate, this story. It's only going to take you a little bit more time to be totally accurate and share it with others. So here's the challenge for you. Go share it with somebody either tonight or tomorrow. And uh, even if you just share what you can remember and ask some questions about it, you'll be surprised at how well you can uh, discuss God's word uh, just from this time tonight. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. And we come before you and we just ask, Lord, forgive us for the times that we've been resentful. We thank you, Lord, that you're so gracious to us. And Lord, we want to approach you with open hearts and willingness toward your call. So, Lord, there are times when our faith is small and the task might be great, but, Lord, here we are. And, Lord, there may be some in this room even that you've been calling. You've set apart for a purpose, and they've been, they've been hearing, but they've been afraid. I pray right now, Lord, that you might speak to their hearts. Minister to them. Lord, we thank you for how good you are toward us, meeting us right where we're at and teaching us. May we bring glory to you as we live out our lives these days. May we represent you and be a good witness for you. And Lord, you've called us to make disciples. Help us to catch We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, I really appreciate all of you for coming and leading worship tonight. What a blessing you are to us. So thank you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious toward you. The Lord give you peace. And may you humble yourself and submit to him as you serve him this week. Amen.